since we were with Steve Pappas yesterday. Yep, it's going to be a glorious, glorious time. You can turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, while you're turning there, I just want to say lots and lots and lots of thanksgivings to the fellowship here at Boulevard Chapel. I counted it today that I had the privilege, well, let me back up a step. I guess you're probably wondering why I'm, why I'm still here. I originally came fe- February 1st. I was supposed to stay for three and a half weeks. I lost my calendar. <laughs> Somebody said Christian Ike is like athlete's foot. It's really hard to get rid of. No. Lord had other plans. Man makes his plans. The Lord orders his steps. And it's been a glorious time for me. And I trust and hope the Lord has lived through me and flowed through me and uh, just ministered to the body. And uh, we've had lots of great things happening. I counted uh, counted it up that the Lord let me use six of your different vehicles. You know who you were, who are, so thank you for providing for me. I came here... Uh, with a small day pack, my winter coat on it, a furry hood, and a small briefcase. And uh, six different vehicles, two different homes, uh, dental work uh, provided for me. Uh, People provided crutches when I needed them when I first got here. It's been a wonderful five months. I give glory to God for the brothers and sisters here at Boulevard Chapel. Let's have a word of prayer. What a day of rejoicing that will be, Lord Jesus, when we finally get home and we'll be there forevermore. Thus shall we ever be with the Lord. Lord, you told the criminal, actually a murderer, more likely, next to you on the cross, horrible sinner just like us, like me. <laughs> Today you'll be with me. If you ended there, that would be, that's it. Then you describe what that's going to be like, paradise. We can't wait for that day, Lord. Might happen today. We give you praise that you bled and died and rose again to make our salvation, our eternal salvation, our eternity with you secure forevermore. And like the wonderful engraven Bible verse behind me, This morning, Lord, um, you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you'll never leave us nor forsake us. We can trust your word. Lord, as we look into your word this morning, we pray that you would please send your Holy Spirit in a powerful way. Help us to see Jesus in a fresh way, Lord. Familiar, familiar passage to most of the world. And yet, Lord, we need your Holy Spirit to make it alive today. Lord, help us to take our our, our minds, our souls, our spirits right into this story. Let us see the living Savior risen from the dead and what that means for us and for you. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord willing, I will uh, be heading back up north to the Cleveland, Ohio area. In uh, just over a week's time, uh, I need to be back to speak at my home assembly on July 7th, and that was originally supposed to be March, but they've been gracious to keep letting me stay down here uh, as the Lord's been seen fit to bring us together and use us. Um, I sure would appreciate your prayers. Uh, hopefully, I'll have a little some prayer cards made up for next week. Uh, i got a neat little photo of me and my mother. Pray for my mother. Her name's Ethel. She's 85. And uh, she's got Alzheimer's. It's kind of hard. Keep her in your prayers. Luke chapter 24. The resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've been going through 2 Corinthians on Wednesdays. If you've not been here, I'd encourage you to come. It's been a wonderful time. We have prayer. Uh, but there's a really neat Bible study time going through the book of 2 Corinthians. We've been stuck in chapter 5 for quite some time, and that's good. It 
it's going to take us a long time to get through the chapter. It's, it's really, uh, in a sense, the center of it all. It tells why Jesus came and why he died, why he rose again, and what should be our response. It reminds us in the end of chapter 4 that everything that we see is temporary. And as we shared about Steve Pappas' testimony, and one day will be our testimony, um, if the Lord doesn't come with the rapture first. And that is that we'll have to leave everything behind. Bodies, family, of course all our material possessions, church as we know it, we'll leave it all behind. And the real person living inside of our body will go immediately, the Bible says, to be with the Lord forever. One day to be resurrected, get a new body with no hiccups in it, no weaknesses, no sin. And uh, Satan will be uh, receiving his due penalty in the lake of fire for all eternity, along with all those who followed him in rejection of the Savior. What a horrible time it will be for those in eternity. What a wonderful time it will be for us in eternity. We uh, have been thinking in 2 Corinthians how the whole passage leads us to the reality that since we're leaving it all behind, Paul said our main purpose in life is to please him. I want to be pleasing to him, Paul says, because my Temporary, momentary light afflictions. And Paul's, compared to mine and yours, most of us, at least me, didn't seem so momentary. The guy was whipped, uh, was it five times? Five different times. The same number of whippings that Christ received. Three times, beaten with rods, sticks, beaten to the ground where he was... Barely breathing. Once, rocks thrown at him to kill him. It's debatable whether or not he really died at that time, but they thought he was dead. They dragged him out of the city. The disciples gathered around, prayed for him, and, and he got up, went back into the city, and did what he got stoned for, preaching Christ. See, when we come to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and when God starts to humble us and remind us that we're leaving planet Earth, Life takes on a new direction. And 2 Corinthians goes on and he reminds us, he says, this tent that we're living in, tent being temporary, one day is going to be replaced with the permanent house. Compared to, that's, he compares our second body to that. And then he goes on further in 2 Corinthians, he says, and we're all going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Uh, Abel, could you put up on the screen there? Yes, no, maybe. We'll all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Did, did you know that that could be as soon as, there we go. That could be as soon as, as late as, I should say, if the Lord comes today, that could be as late as seven years from now. Somewhere... On our timeline, we are right here today. Jesus Christ came, lived his life, died, rose again, ascended back to heaven. Fifty days later after the resurrection, Jesus sends his Holy Spirit down to earth. Now we're in the church age. And we're right here, right next to the next event on God's timetable, which is the rapture. The catching away of the saints. The trumpet sounds. If that happened today, we would be caught up, the believers, those who are truly born again, would be caught up to go up to heaven. Where we talked the first service, Jesus is there now preparing a place for us. He'd come, and he'd meet us in the clouds. The dead in Christ would rise first, and we who are alive and remain will be caught up together to be with them and be with the Lord forever. And during that seven-year period, the tribulation time, while the earth is suffering the tribulation on earth, 
down here being judged by God. That's from Revelation, the actual judgment starting in chapter 6. Chapter 4 and 5 is a taste of heaven, but chapter 6 through chapter 18, the end of chapter 18, are judgments. 13 chapters, I think it is, of just God pouring out all the water, turning into blood. 100-pound hailstones down here on earth while we're up in heaven with Jesus. And a couple things, two things happen up here. It's debatable whether the marriage supper actually happens right up here or perhaps as he comes down and maybe right on the earth at the millennium. It seems to be up here. But somewhere in here, we get married to Jesus. And somewhere up here is 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10. All of us will appear before the judgment seat of Christ. If we get raptured today, somewhere before this seven-year period is over, you and I, one at a time it seems, will give account for our life as a Christian from the moment we were born again until that rapture time or our death time. And the Lord at that time will call into account not our sins. It's called, we call it in the English translation a judgment seat. It's really not a judgment. It's called a bema seat in the original Greek. And it's the picture, some of us already know, it's the picture of an Olympic Games, a race. And how well you run the race, at the end you come before the judge. And the judge rewards you. How well you ran the race. Now again... During that time, we don't get judged for our sins if you're born again. But we will be judged, as it were, rewarded, as it were, for how well we ran the race. And everything that we've done in obedience, as uh, Brother uh, Ron Ward just ended the first service with, if you love me, keep my commandments, everything we did in obedience out of love to the Lord Jesus will be rewarded. Crowns treasures and rewards apparently three different things don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth right where it's just going to disappear steve pappas i understand was quite a wealthy man he's leaving it all behind everything but do store up for yourselves treasures in heaven now, again, it's not going to be just gold and glitter and the stuff that we selfishly would think we desire down here, but somehow it's going to be incredible reward time. But the things that we've done for self, or even perhaps, quote-unquote, for the Lord, but we've done it with selfish motives or in the, our flesh, our own strength, which we can all do that. I know I can. Apparently, as the Lord turns on the fire which I believe is just going to be his eyes, one look. Revelation tells us his eyes are like flame of fire. He's going to review our life. And that which was built with gold, precious stones, and silver, fire, when it turns on those things, just makes it more pure and beautiful. The crowns, the rewards, the treasures. But anything we've built in this life as a Christian, as a born-again Christian, built with wood, hay, and stubble, when the fire turns on those three materials, burns and turns to ashes. I believe that that's potentially the time when the Lord will wipe away the tears. I don't want to be standing, someone once said, knee-deep in ashes when I meet the Lord Jesus. And I know if you're a believer, you don't either. But our flesh sometimes wins. And that which we do in the flesh for the flesh, from the motivation of the flesh, will be burned up and turned into ashes. Again, we won't be judged in a sense of being punished at all. Except, First John says, little children, abide in him so that you're not ashamed at his coming. So I don't want to feel the shame at his coming. So this is one motivation for sure. Uh, what would want, what would promote us to Obey the Lord and tell others about Christ. Well, that's what Paul says. Listen very carefully. That verse up there uh, that tells us that all of us will appear before the judgment seat of Christ. The next verse, therefore, 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 since I'm going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ, therefore, knowing the terror of the Lord, the King James says, the fear of the Lord. What an awesome day as our brother Stephen is contemplating that. 
more and more, focusing on it more than we do. Because we're involved more in life. He's just laying in his bed preparing, getting ready to take his last breath. Just contemplating the fear of that day. Not fear that he's going to send me to hell or condemn me, but just the awesomeness of God. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, you know what Paul says? We persuade men. Now, why would that be? Aren't there other commandments of Christ? Sure there are. But that's his great commission. That's why he came. If you look at this whole timetable, from number one to number seven, that's planet Earth's life, right there. God created it. In the beginning, there was God, no problem. He continues. He decided to create a universe. It was perfect. Sin comes in when Satan and man falls. Now we've got this world we live in today. And the, up to the whole Old Testament is written, telling how one day God would send his Messiah, Christ. He comes. He paid the price. He goes back to heaven. He's preparing a place. He sends his Holy Spirit. And now the church age. Christ comes to rapture his children, his bride, I should say, to be with them for the marriage feast and receive the rewards. Then, Revelation 19, the actual second coming of Christ, Jesus comes back to earth to set up his thousand-year millennial kingdom. Thousand years of Christ lifting the curse on the earth. The lion will lie down with the lamb. Children will play with cobras. No more sickness. The curse on earth will be lifted. Satan will be bound for a thousand years. And then at the end of the thousand years, there's a number of things that happen in this time period, not all at once, but in a short period of time. Satan is cast into the lake of fire forever. Praise the name of Jesus. And then there's the judgment seat of uh, the great white throne judgment, Revelation 20, uh, verse 15. Whoever's name was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And Satan's not running around there with a pitchfork saying, let's party, we finally got rid of God. No, he's going to be screaming, weeping, and gnashing his teeth, just like all the angels and demons, angels who became the fallen angels, the demons will be in the lake of fire, and anyone who's rejected the love of Christ. But then God will destroy this earth and the heavens and make a new heaven and new earth and forever righteousness, peace, and joy forever. Revelation 21 and 22 will live with the Lord forevermore in a new heaven on a new earth. Not floating around with wings. We're going to have a new earth. Just like we live on an earth today. We're going to live on earth and do things for all eternity. In the ages, plural, to come. Ephesians 2 verse 7 says. So in light of this eternity that's facing us, God says in Corinthians, we persuade men. Why do we persuade men? Because when God sent his son Jesus, he came down. Why did Christ come into the world? To seek and to save that which was lost. Today, as we look at the scriptures, as we're reviewing the scriptures now, this is not an evangelist's point of view. Some would say I'm an evangelist. Even if so, I read this morning in Ephesians 4, the, the gift of evangelism is given to equip the saints, to equip us to go out and do the ministry. All of us as believers are to be involved in sharing the gospel of Christ. Everybody ought to know, right? We just sang it. Do we really believe it? How are they going to know? Not by watching your life. Yes, your walk has to back up your talk. Absolutely. And occasionally, someone might come up to you and say, how many people here this morning in this assembly would raise your hand and say, and say that somebody came up to you by watching your life, you would never spoke to them about the Lord or the Bible, and they came up and says, can you please tell me how to get saved? I don't want to go to hell. I know you're a Christian. Is anybody? It might have happened. One, praise the Lord. Two, praise the Lord. Our walk speaks volumes. But the Bible says that faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it and it alone is the power of God into salvation. So the jailer heard, right, in Philippians 16, uh, Acts 16, the Philippian jailer. Philippians 16, I'm rewriting the Bible. 
In Acts 16, the jailer gets saved. Why? Because he saw the great and mighty things of God. The earthquake, right? He heard the singing and the praising. But did he get saved just then? No, he had to come and hear the message. Has to hear the gospel message or no one gets saved. And so one of the things that we're going to be held accountable for is the Great Commission. How well we were involved in the Great Commission. That does not mean that everybody has to come down to the beach and pass out tracts like myself and a few others do or whatever. But each one of us is we're going to see the life of the Lord, the death of the Lord, and the resurrection of the Lord, and the ascension of the Lord will speak to our hearts. And each believer, if you're a true believer in Christ, has been bought with a price to glorify God with our bodies and to go out and preach, which means just proclaim. It doesn't mean stand up in front of an audience. It means to talk. It means to tell the gospel. So let's look at Acts chapter 24. Here's, in a sense, another reason why we should share the gospel. A couple reasons are is we're going to face the Lord on that Bema Seat judgment. We're going to face the Lord on that Bema Seat judgment, and we don't want to be ashamed. We don't want to be ashamed before the Lord and have to admit that we were ashamed of Him down here on earth. Sometimes that's why we don't share. I'm speaking from experience. I'm actually ashamed. I just don't obey the Lord. What will they think of me? They're going to reject what I say. They're not going to like me. They're not going to love me. And what it really comes down to is I'm ashamed. Again, if we're a believer, that's not going to be at the Bema Seat judgment. God's going to punish us for that. No, he died on the cross. There's no condemnation to us who are in Christ Jesus. All our sins have been paid for. All our sins have been paid for. Amen? Let's look at another reason in the scriptures. And that is the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. We looked at a couple already. The Bema Seat Judgment, which this one's going to kind of intertwine with this. The, the reality of what he told us to do in his resurrected state. And then we're going to have to give account. Another one would be that people who don't hear about Jesus Christ from us don't have a chance to even escape the fires of hell for eternity. Uh, Luke chapter 24, verse 1. Christ already crucified. And now it's Sunday morning, Easter morning. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb. They, we're going to find out, is some of the ladies, the believers, some of the women. Three days earlier, they watched the Lord be crucified, taken down from the cross, and hurriedly wrapped, as it were, in some cloths, and laid in a tomb. The burial wasn't completed properly, and so they're coming back to complete the burial and worship the Lord. How many of you here have lost loved ones through death? Friends, family, most of us here have experienced that. What agony. My father, my five-year-old nephew, my 22-year-old nephew, my sister-in-law, and on and on it goes. Friends, and just, uh, there is a sting in death. In that passage where it says, death, O oh death, where is thy sting? If you read that, it's actually the context is talking about the rapture. If we get raptured, there's no sting in death. Then it shall be said, where aware, death, where aware is thy sting? We won't have to go through the suffering. Stephen knows he's going to wake up in glory, Stephen Pappas. He's not worried about that. But the process of getting there is horrible. The curse of death, right? The sting of death. Come, Lord Jesus, so we don't have to go through that. So the disciples, they lost their best friend. Christ, they gave up everything to follow Jesus Christ. Their family, their father, James and John. Peter, apparently his wife, at least temporarily. 
not divorced her, but just left to follow the Lord. Their jobs, fishermen, tax collectors, their goals. They gave up everything because this is the Messiah. He's going to set up the kingdom. This is what we've been waiting for. This is going to be great here and now. And then they watch him be, get crucified. And he didn't fight back. And they had to be thinking, Jesus, do something. You can do anything. Lord, we saw the demoniac. Legions of demons. You just spoke and they were gone. Lord, stop. Don't let him do that. Ripped his beard out of his face. Beat him beyond human recognition. Crushed a crown of thorns in his head. Threw his arms down on the, the beam of that cross and drove those spikes through his, his hands and then his feet. And watch Jesus just like an everyday man in screaming agony as those nails penetrated his body. Then the cross lifted up, dropped down, and Jesus hanging there naked. Half dead already, if not more than that. And then six hours that passed, his blood just pouring out of his body. And watching him cry out, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Twelve o'clock noon, the sun turns dark like nighttime. Watching us happen. Jesus, what happened? We thought you were the Messiah. Jesus, do something. All the unbelievers mocking, if you're the Son of God, save yourself. You did all the other miracles, do it. And the believers had to be saying the same thing. Jesus, do something. He didn't. Till he cries out with a loud voice, it is finished. Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. And a great earthquake, a great earthquake tore the veil in the temple from top to bottom. I just read this. Josephus, a Jewish historian at the time, said it was four inches thick. It wasn't just a curtain like this screen or in your home some draperies. Four inches. Horses pulling on both sides couldn't pull it apart. It was made brand new every year. And God just tears it from top to bottom. Why? My son paid the price. It's finished. The final sacrifice for your sins. Now you can come into the Holy of Holies and be with God. Come. Come. Then he dies. Just like a man. Limp body. No more breathing. Jesus, you brought Lazarus back. Come on, come on back, Jesus. They had to be weeping and horrified. So down for three days and three nights. No more Jesus, they thought. What do we do now? The whole world is against Jesus. They're against us. What do I do now? There's no heaven. There's no kingdom. The Bible's not true, maybe. Jesus, save yourself. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened that while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men, which are angels we find out, suddenly stood near them in dazzling apparel. And as the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living one among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. Remember? Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee, saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise again? They didn't see Jesus yet. They just heard a couple angels. But the tomb's empty. Just maybe a glimmer of hope. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he told us three different times he would be crucified. 
but he'd be raised on the third day. And they remembered his words. And they returned from the tomb and reported all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. So the, Judas is gone. He, he committed suicide. And the eleven are there and the rest of the folks that were there, the believers. Now there were Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James. Also the other women with them were telling these things to the apostles. And these words appeared to them as nonsense. And they would not believe them. No way. Mary, Joanna, we were there. You saw him. There's no way. But he said, but he said, there's no way. Verse 12, but Peter arose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen wrappings only, and he went away to his home, marveling at that which had happened. Didn't see Jesus yet. Maybe there is a glimmer of hope. Still just basket cases emotionally. Way worse, I have to believe, way worse mourning over the dead than we've ever been. Because not only their best friend, their relative, but their Messiah, the Son of God, their hopes, their dreams, dashed to pieces. Verse 13, And behold, two of them were going that very day. Okay, that scene's over. Let's go to another scene. Something else happens. Same day, Easter morning. Two of them, two of the believers, were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were conversing with each other about all these things which had taken place, just like we've been talking. They're weeping. They're horrified. They don't know what to do. They're leaving Jerusalem. I guess it's all over. Now what do we do? And it came about that while they were conversing and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them, but their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. So this figure, this man, comes up to walk with them. They don't know it's Jesus. Jesus prevented them somehow. Look at the love of Jesus. He's teaching us. He's teaching them. He's getting them to think for themselves. I won't say he's teasing them, but it just the, the joy of Jesus here. He's raised from the dead. All his suffering's done. He did it. Now he's just waiting for them to explode when he finally reveals himself, for them to explode with joy and understanding that he really is alive. So they didn't recognize him, verse 17. And Jesus said to them, What are these words that you're exchanging with one another as you're walking? They stood still, looking sad. Duh. Hello? Anybody home? Look at what they say. One of them named Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only one visiting this planet? <laughs> Jerusalem? I'm exaggerating, of course, but this was really kind of what they were saying. Are you the only one in Jerusalem unaware of the things which had happened here in these days? Jesus said to them, What things? Tell me. And they said to him, the things about Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word, and sight, and in the sight of God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers, he was doing these miracles, he raised people from the dead, but then the chief priests and the rulers delivered him up to the sentence of death. They crucified him. You didn't hear about this? This just happened. Everybody knows this. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, it's three days. Three days since these things happened. Look at how it's just piling up their despondency, their discouragement, their depression. It's three days. And then, but some of the women, verse 22, they came among us. They amazed us. They said, we went to the tomb and it's empty. They didn't find the body. They came saying they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. That's what we're talking. You haven't heard about this? And some of those who were with us, they went to check out the tomb and they found it just the way the women said. But Jesus, they did not see. Tomb, empty. If the Lord would have left it there, we'd still have a question. Just like they did. Did he really raise from the dead? In 
And Jesus said to them, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and, to, and, and, then, enter, enter, and then enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, Genesis chapter 3. Remember, guys, when God cursed the serpent, he told the serpent that the seed of this woman is going to come and your seed from the serpent is going to bruise his heel, but the seed of the woman is going to crush serpent Satan's head. And Moses said, there's going to be a prophet just like me. And all the books of Moses and all the prophets, every book in the Old Testament, Genesis to Malachi, what a Bible study. Truly the Emmaus Bible study course. The living God ex explaining all the books of the Bible telling about Jesus. He explained to them the things concerning himself and all the scriptures, but he didn't tell them it was himself yet. Talking about this Christ. Remember how the Christ had to suffer? And they approached the village where they were going, and he acted as though he would go farther. Uh, thanks, guys. It was great talking with you. Just keep reading the scriptures. Don't worry. It'll be all right. And they urged him, saying, Stay with us. It's getting toward evening, and the day is now nearly over. Jesus went in to stay with them. And it came about that when Jesus had reclined at the table with them, he's the guest, right? It's their, he comes walking in. He sits down, reclines with them. What's it say? He took the bread and blessed it and breaking it. He began giving it to them. Oh, great God, Father, giver of every good and perfect gift, thank you for this living bread that you have provided for us. And maybe it was at that time the holes in his hands, the scars in his hands were exposed. Their hearts burning, we know that, right? Burning with what Jesus had been speaking to them. And it says in verse 31, And their eyes were opened, and they recognized Jesus. And then almost instantly, poof, he's gone. Weren't our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us? What happened? Verse 33. I got to tell somebody. I got to tell somebody. I got to tell somebody. I've met Jesus crucified, risen from the dead. I got to tell somebody. They arose that very hour, nighttime, right? That's why they called Jesus. It's night. Come on, you, you don't want to be out there. It's dark. How many miles away? Seven miles. They just walked seven miles, but now they understand the resurrection of Christ. And what's their response? Seven miles back, they probably went running. They arose that very hour and returned to Jerusalem. They found gathered together the eleven and those who were them. And Jesus had made some appearances to some of them. So they walk in in verse 34. And these eleven and the other people, they're telling the two, The Lord has really risen, you guys. He appeared to Simon. And verse 35, and now the two give their story. Yeah, you're right. We, they begin to relate their experiences on the road and how he was recognized by them in the breaking of the bread. He's alive. He saw, he appeared to Simon. Some of the ladies saw him. We saw him. And all of a sudden, in the upper room, doors locked. A glimmer of hope. While they were telling these things, Jesus himself stood in their midst. Poof. He appears. Again. Risen from the dead. I don't think anybody was saying anything. That song, I Can Only Imagine, it's a beautiful song. It's a contemporary song. I can only imagine what I'm going to do when I first meet Christ. Am I going to sing? Am I going to dance? Am I going to fall at his feet? John, when he saw him in his glorified state, fell as, as a dead man. In awe. In reverence. Silent.
They were startled. They were frightened. They thought they were seeing a spirit, a ghost. Jesus said to them, Why are you troubled? Why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Look, who else has these scars? You saw me three days ago. It's me. Touch me and see for a spirit. Spirit doesn't have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While they still could not believe it for joy and they were marveling, Jesus said to them, Got anything here to eat? I'm a little hungry. I haven't eaten for three days. No, he didn't say that. He wasn't hungry. He ate to prove that he wasn't a ghost, that he's a real, living, eternally alive, once dead, but now alive forevermore, glorified Christ. Wow. So they gave him a piece of broiled fish, the King James says, and some honeycomb, and he took it and he ate it before them. And I just would have loved to have been there. They are just, their jaws are on the ground. And their joy and their hope is back. And they're being stirred. And everything he said is true. Just like he said. And their eyes and their hearts and their minds were open. They understand the resurrection. That Christ had to suffer. That Christ had to be raised on the third day. Verse 44, now Jesus said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Wow. Wow. Jesus said to them, Thus it is written, Look at this. Follow with me. Verse 46. It is written, what? The Christ should suffer. Old Testament said the Christ should suffer. The Old Testament scripture said he must rise again from the third day. And what else? What's the conclusion? Verse 47. Let's read it. And the Old Testament scriptures testify that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be, will be, must be, proclaimed in his name in all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. You guys, as the Father sent me, now I'm what? Sending you. I'm sending you. We're going to read in just a moment in conclusion, the book of Acts, that Luke picks it up and he says, the things that Jesus began to do and teach, I wrote in the book of Luke. Now let's pick it up in the book of Acts. Now he gives the, the baton to the body. Now we are to go out and be the witnesses, proclaiming, verse 47, repentance for the forgiveness of sins. You're witnesses of these things. And behold, I'm sending forth the promise of my Father. Ezekiel, Isaiah, and other places prophesied that God would send a promise to his people one day. The new covenant, my spirit will dwell inside of you. Spirit wasn't inside of the people then came upon Samson, came upon David, left David. That's why he says, don't take the Holy Spirit from me. Left Samson, right? But not us. Once the Holy Spirit comes, my Father's going to bring forth the promise of my Father upon you. But you are to stay in the city, that's Jerusalem, until you are clothed with power from on high. You know why we don't witness? It's real simple. We don't wait. We don't wait in the presence of the Lord. We read our little daily bread and say that's enough. Barely say a prayer or two. Maybe thanks for the food at the evening meal. And we go out and we earn our money, build our houses, go on our vacations, send our kids off to college, make sure they got a good life here so that they can leave it all behind. And the world's dying and going to hell. And we are his witnesses. As I speak these words, at least three or four fingers point back at me, right? I haven't arrived. God's speaking to all of us. Stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. From resurrection day to Pentecost is 50 days. 
Acts chapter 1 says he appeared for 40 days in his resurrected body. How many days did they wait? 40 from 50? 10 days. They prayed. Let's find out what they were doing. And he led them out as far as Bethany. He lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came about that while he was blessing them, he departed from them and was taken up into heaven. Oh, my goodness. I hope they got DVDs in heaven. I want to see that one. Now, we're going to be consumed with all the glories that are there now in the presence of the Lord, but it's going to be fun to sit around. Lord, please show us what it was, how you did that back then. And all of a sudden, Jesus just teaches them, go and wait. You're my witnesses. Axel, pick it up. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses. And all of a sudden, he just goes up into the sky, into the clouds. And so what did they do? They returned to Jerusalem. Why? That's what he said to do. Go back and wait. So they went and they waited. Acts, uh, Luke says they were continuing the temple praising God. If you go to Acts chapter 1 very quickly, just take a moment. Verse 1. Acts chapter 1, 1, the first account, Luke says, I composed Theopolis. He's writing to the same man that he wrote the book of Luke to. Now he's writing this second letter. I wrote the first time about all that Jesus began to do and teach. He began it. He didn't finish it. Now he finished his, uh, the work of salvation, but not for the salvation of the world. He paid the price, but they don't get saved until they hear from those that have been saved that he began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had by the Holy Spirit given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. Stay and wait, and then go be my witnesses. To these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days, and speaking other things concerning the kingdom of God. And gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised. That's what we just read in Luke which he said, you heard of from me, for John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Wow, this is awesome. The kingdom's coming. You want us to go be witnesses? And what do the disciples say? Look at this. So when they'd come together, they're asking, but what about us, Lord? When's our time? Lord, is it at this time you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? What about this world? What about now? Yeah, yeah, all that heavenly stuff. That's cool. You get all the glory and that. But what about... Now, yeah, yeah, I'm going to restore the kingdom to Israel. Look at what he says, verse 7. That's not for you guys to know. Don't worry about when the Lord's coming back. He will set up his kingdom. The Father's got the time set, but that's not your department. Here is what your department is, verse 8. But you, church, you, Christian, shall receive dynamite. Dunamis, that's the word in the Greek. You shall receive dunamis when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be my witnesses. Automatic. Now we've got the Holy Spirit, but we've quenched him, grieved him, disobeyed him, told him, no, stay down in my big toe. I've done that. So have you. And we're building our little kingdom. And we're supposed to be praying, your kingdom come. Your will be done. And he wants his kingdom to come, but he can't. He's patient toward you, the Bible says, 2 Peter, not willing that any would perish, wanting all to come to repentance. You'll receive power. You'll be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, even to the end of the earth. After Jesus said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking. We just read this. And a cloud received him out of their sight. And as they were gazing intently into the sky while he was departing, behold, two angels. There's those angels again. Boy, they just get in the way, don't they? Two men in white clothing stood beside them. Last verse 11. And they also said, men of Galilee. Why do you stand looking into the sky? Now get the picture. Jesus levitates, goes up into the clouds, gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller, and smaller, disappears into the clouds. And again, they were so down 50 days ago, or 40 days ago, 43 days ago, at the crucifixion. And then they just got emotional adrenaline, a measurable rush. Christ is alive! 
And for 40 days, he pops up everywhere once in a while, and they get to see his, and hear his teaching again. And then he goes. And now he tells the end of the program. You're my witnesses. Then comes my kingdom. You're my witnesses. Then comes my kingdom. And he just goes. And there, I got adrenal gland exhaustion. That's what I'm diagnosed for. These guys had maximum adrenal rush, do, do, down, weeping, crying, mourning. He's alive. Now he's gone. And the angels kind of tap. Why are you guys standing here? This same Jesus. Oh, he's coming back. He's coming back. He's going to take you to heaven at the rapture. And then he's going to come seven years later and set up his kingdom. But he told you what to do. Then he'll come back. This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. Let's pray. Holy God, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, we just continue to say we worship you and praise you and thank you. Lord, your word tells us how to be true worshipers in spirit and in truth. Lord, your word says the only sacrifice we can bring to you right now is our bodies as a thank offering for what you've done for us. And say, here am I, Lord, send me. Help us to do that now. As we wait just for a pause of silence, Lord, you've spoken, you've convicted my heart. You've reminded me, Lord, I've gone astray aiming at the wrong target. Lord Jesus, thank you for your mercy and grace. Thank you for your shed blood that wipes away all my sins, all our sins. Lord, hear our plea now as we just silently in our hearts, as you would move us to do so, we would surrender our bodies to you once again as a living sacrifice.